But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the men's servants and the maid's servants to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour. There's this painting by this artist, Velasquez, and the title of the painting is The Triumph of Bacchus. Bacchus is the Roman god of wine, god of drunkenness. And in this painting, made in the 16th century, you have Bacchus, as a Roman god, is normally dressed with, you know, like the bed sheet, and he's got the, the crown of leaves, and he's got his wine around him. But around him are not contemporaries. Around him are Spaniards in the 16th century. It looked like they had just gotten off work. They're all kind of dirty, they're unshaven. And they come to Bacchus, and they're very happy to be there, enjoying his company. But if you look at the painting closely, you notice that one of them is looking directly at you, his eyes are glazed over. And the painting is also called, in Spanish, the Barachos, or the Drunks. In this painting, while Bacchus is not looking at the viewer, Bacchus is turned, and he's reclined, and he's just pouring wine for someone to drink. With his other hand, he's giving that wine drinker a crown on his head. It is a crown with green leaves, the crown signing victory, but also the green leaves symbolizing life, that this man is receiving the triumph of life as he partakes of Bacchus's wine. But when you look then back at Bacchus, you notice that while Bacchus has a crown of leaves, the leaves are not green. The leaves are now brown. They have died. And so now Bacchus, who shares this festival with these men, are giving them a kind of feast of death. While it will give them life for a moment, it will certainly, as it has done for the Roman god, give them death later. Now, while Christ speaks about how this man who is in charge of his household will begin to beat the men's servants and the maid servants to eat and drink and get drunk when he says to himself that his master is delayed in coming, to recognize what Bacchus's role was from the Roman, from Zeus himself as a Roman god. And his role was to ease men of their daily troubles. To ease men of their daily troubles. And the way he would do this was through getting them drunk, sure, but the whole message remains the same. Is that the day-to-day life is hard. And there is no hope. And that we have to get caught in this ring like the crown of death. Between life and death. Circling back and forth where we just have to simply escape our troubles, escape our troubles. And so in this parable, the man finds himself the same way, because he says to himself, my master is delayed in coming. My master is delayed in coming. But why then must he say, well, my master is delayed in coming? You know what makes sense? For me to just beat up everyone in this house to eat and drink and get drunk. There's a disconnect there. 
Why does my master get delayed in coming cause me that kind of distress? It's because the man put in charge of the house is to imitate his master. And the man put in charge of the house thinks that he can no longer do it. He can't handle it. This is the Christian life. That we are left with the church. Christ, as the, the manager, as the boss, as the master, has now ascended into heaven. And he has left us, his body, in charge of the church, in charge of our families, in relationships with others, in relationship to him, living the Christian life. And so while Christ says to be like men waiting with your lamps lit, sometimes we feel like our master is delayed in coming. And we become discouraged because we cannot imitate Christ. But we think that we cannot imitate Christ. We cannot be as he would be, as St. Teresa of Avila says, that Christ has no hands but your own and no feet but your own. We cannot be as he would be to what he has put us in charge of. And so what is the answer? What is the answer? It's wise of the church that she has juxtaposed this reading, this gospel, with the first reading, where we heard about how these just Israelites would keep the Passover. That is, that we no longer, as Christians, participate in the Feast of Bacchus, where we just simply want to ease our troubles and be removed from the grind of daily life, just forget about all the pain. But instead, we look to the Passover, we look at the Mass to what God has done, and we gain strength from this by participating of his blood and his body, under the appearance of bread and wine. But, too often, whenever we come to Mass, we, in a sense, escape from the reality of what is happening. We do not desire to enter into the reality that I am eating Christ's body and his blood to conform myself, to become Christ's body and his blood. And so we flee from even that. And so what is the thing that is going to join us in a culture that we live of escapism? Not simply a Cajun culture that enjoys alcohol, but a larger Western culture that enjoys escapism by having hours upon hours of screen time and constantly avoiding difficult conversations or by simply going from one uh, creature comfort to the next. How do we bridge this gap? And we've heard it in the second reading with faith, with faith. But particularly what the letter of the Hebrews is talking about in faith is more akin to this virtue of hope, whereby though my master is delayed in coming, does not seem as if he is far off. If we lack this virtue of hope and we tend to hide from the Lord, then we look at this parable more like the latter half where it's my master's delayed in coming, let me sop in all of this pleasure while he's not watching. And when I feel like he is watching, he's doing just that. He's looking at all the things that I do wrong. But for the person who awaits the Lord lovingly and intentionally, he understands that when the Lord looks upon him, he's not watching as if to take something from him, but he is setting his eyes upon him in a loving gaze. 
He is setting his eyes upon him in a loving gaze. We grow in hope, St. Thomas says, through the virtue of through the practice of prayer. Because prayer is where God sets his loving gaze upon us, but it's also where we ask God for things and we have to wait. We ask God for things for things that we do not yet have, and we are forced to wait and hope. This is how we grow in the virtue of hope. The great antidote, then, that Christ gives us to leave this culture of escapism, to not be discouraged when it seems that our master, when Christ is delayed in coming, and that we cannot no longer take care of what he has given us, that we cannot bear the weight, is by not looking to our own weaknesses, but by setting our eyes on the Lord in prayer. Do we set aside that time that is often we consider a waste, that we consider something that is dispensable? But it's really the only opportunity and the only way in which we will bear the responsibility that God has given us so that we need not escape and be crowned with the crown of death that Bacchus gives to those who participate in his feast. The good news is that Christ does not simply come at the end of time. He does not simply teach us to wait in prayer. But we recognize that Christ comes in the life of grace and that he comes at this very Eucharist. And that he gives us the Eucharist to refresh us while he is delayed, while he has not yet come back to restore the kingdom, while he desires to live within our hearts. And so as we approach his altar at this Mass, we dispose ourselves to receive him and let go of our detachments, those means by which we desire to escape his gaze and be put forward in front of him, lovingly not considering our weakness, but his strength.